0: Amen. Praise the Lord, everyone. If you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and turn to the Book of Revelation. Book of Revelation. We're going to be (coughs) in Chapter Three, (coughs) and we're going to start reading about the Church of Laodicea. Now, purposely. Uh, didn't get into the church of Laodicea and uh, purposefully left it alone by itself and did it for a reason, not because we were having ice cream tonight, because when I decided to do that, we I, I hadn't even talked about doing the ice cream, and uh, so it had nothing to do with that, but there is a reason why. And uh, if somebody would go ahead and read for me uh, verses 14 through uh, 22. We'll discuss what we read, and I hope you have some input <laughs> on this. I'm going to ask some questions and see what you think. And uh, somebody would read that for me,
1: please. <clears throat> to the angel of the church of Laodicea These things say, and <clears throat> faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou work cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tired in the fire that thou may be rich and white raiment That thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thy eyes with thy eyesight, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chastise them. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him, and I will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I have over also overcame, and I am sat down with my Father in his throne. He that heareth the ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches.
0: Okay. I got a question right off the bat. I know a lot of you have heard that in today's world, we live in the time of the Laodicean Church. I'm interested to see if you believe that. I think so. Yeah.
2: I think so. I think because we depend on our money. We depend on... Uh, Hollywood brings up the styles that we feel that we have have and wear. And... Um, and you can't go to the doctor without spending a fortune and uh, and that's in the day of lay odysseans okay. is that they depended on their industry they didn't depend on the lord they depended on the, the riches that they could acquire from all of that yeah. and
1: many depend on the prosperity gospel
0: and okay, prosperity got well. we definitely see that yeah. the prosperity gospel you see that feel all the good time. Gospel. yeah yeah, yeah. And Get much more now what is, you want to explain what the prosperity gospel is to folks? It's, it's a teaching
1: of that everything's going to be all good. You give me money.
0: Right. It's a I'm going to
1: give you blessings. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: it's just a lie. I'm going, if you give me money, God's going to bless you for giving me money. So that's the prosperity gospel mm-hmm. that he's talking about. Now we see a lot of that. Anyone else got a, got a thought? They so were tolerant of?
2: evil
0: and a lot of things that <coughs> they accepted a lot of things that you shouldn't accept okay well in, in those days they were used used to having plenty and being blessed and having what they need when they need it same way with here it's beginning to decline now but this nation has raised enough food to feed us and a ton of other people around the world and now this year crops and everything are diminishing because of the weather if it makes the weather
2: okay i think too that this generation they're neither hot nor cold they're, they're straggling effects they really they don't you know if you don't stand for something you'll fall for anything mm-hmm. and so they're not taking a stand for anything they're just you know they're not even trying to fight they're they're just they're just there and I think a lot of times we come, we come to church, we get up, we get dressed, and we show up. You know, and that's about <coughs> it. and uh, and we think we've done a good deed. But when we walk out, we're still as empty as we walked
0: in. Okay. Apostasy. Everybody in America today is a Christian. It's like it says over the times, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny him. And uh, it's getting more and more so okay. as days go by. Okay. And just just saying something that don't make it true. That's right. Just professing it. Absolutely. Faith without works is absolutely dead. Dead faith is saying I believe while you're not doing what you believe. That's dead faith. And James made sure we knew that wasn't going to get us anywhere. So faith must be alive. It must be coupled with good works. Must be shown. Anyone else? We just get too complacent in everything. Okay. Everything's gonna be all right. Yeah. Okay. You don't need God. You can do it yourself. There is no shame for your
2: behavior in this world right now. Okay. Anyone else? I've often wondered is the way that people act, the way they were how The gospel was presented to them. You know, you have a uh, repeat after me, say this prayer, you'll be saved, and you can go to heaven. We talked about that in Sunday school. Or were they really, did they really truly have an experience with salvation at that time to have a changed lifestyle? Or did they just go down to the altar just to get saved so they could avoid going to hell? And you wonder is that how the world is today because you have people that really take their salvation to a whole new level and they really truly mean they know exactly how they say their salvation is that relationship with Christ and then you have those that tell you oh I'm a Christian but they tell you a smutty joke and they drop F-bombs right and left you know and there's no change okay there's all kinds of things that we could look at comparing to the church then okay. today all right.
0: Well, verse 16 says, man, he don't care for you. It's hot and cold. Well, that, that's, I mean, that's my next question. Is Lake Country Baptist Church the Laodicean Church? <laughs> if we're going to say we're in the time of the Laodicean Church, then we got to examine ourselves and ask our own selves, our own selves in the church, or is that a picture of who we are? Are we that way? If it is, we're in trouble. And so, I I respect your opinions. I personally don't believe that we're actually in a Laodicean time. I don't believe the seven churches listed here was to put any of us in a specific time. I think the seven churches were listed here because Jesus Christ wanted us to see that every church has issues. Every church has problems. Some churches do good and at the same time do bad. Some churches are so highly persecuted they don't have time to think about anything but worshiping the Lord. And we don't see that in America. But the, he's talking to the world. Now, you've got to understand this. Revelation is written to the world. To the, to not just to the American churches, not just to us. It's written to the world. All the Gentile churches worldwide. And so there is churches in our world today who are so persecuted they have to hide. If y'all remember back during the uh, Gulf War, that there was a city that was made up mainly of Christians. It was in Afghanistan. Those Christians, the Muslims that were attacking that city, decided they wanted to annihilate those Christian people. They wanted that cancer removed. And those people fled up into this mountain. And our government knew they were there. And for whatever reason, Our president at that time purposefully did not send help to them people. And when they finally did, they found nobody. And we never got the word. I never heard, never read anything about them. But in my thinking, they were all killed. And so you think about that, and so the Church of Philadelphia, the Church of Smyrna, that's talked about here, there's churches like that in our world today. There's churches like Sardis that's, that does things for the Lord but they have, they're doing it out of habit. They're not doing it because they love Jesus Christ. We see that in churches today, don't we? So every one of the churches that are listed here are listed to us to then and us today to let us know that these churches that he saw there then are still in existence today in a very similar fashion. You can think of churches and you can think of churches and you know some that really hold a banner, hold up the light, really work, and you can see others that that don't. That's all about prosperity. And these are the who he's talking to in Laodicea. So I believe that if you have to look at the seven churches as a whole and you get an idea of what the churches of the world today still resemble these very churches. Now Jesus found fault. He found good things with with. The, Almost every church, and he found fault with almost every church. He found no fault with the two churches that were under so much persecution. But here, in this church, listen to me, he finds absolutely zero good. Zero. Something to think about, in it? And so we need to understand that the love of money is genuinely the root of all evil. And it gives the reason why he, he when he looks at this church, he and he look how he presents himself to them. He said, uh, he said, uh, these things saith the Amen. Now what does Amen mean? So be it. So be it. Or That's final. Okay? That's what it means. It says, So be it. And he and he said, I am the so be it. I am the final. I am the faithful. I'm the true witness and the beginning of the creation of God. I am the beginning of it. And and so when he looks at these, these people, he says, and I know your works, and your works are not good, okay? They are neither cold nor hot. Now, so what do we call that? He calls it here lukewarm. Amen? He calls it lukewarm. I don't know about y'all, but when I drink a Coke, I want it cold, don't you? I don't like a lukewarm cup. When I drink a cup of coffee, I'm bad about drinking it lukewarm, but I prefer it hot. When I drink iced tea, I don't want hot tea. You know, and things like that, and we're accustomed, to it, so we can, he uses terminology here and language that we can understand what he's talking about. There's some things that don't taste good unless it's hot, and there's some things that don't taste good unless it's cold. Amen? We're going to have ice cream in the minute, it's going to be cold. We don't want hot ice cream, do you? Okay. Anyway, if you do, there may be something out there that's melting real quick. And so he says, so you're neither cold and you're neither, you're not hot. And look at what he says. I would you rather you be cold. Now that's a strange statement for the Savior of the world to say to the church, isn't it? I would rather you be cold. I would rather you be real. I would rather you be honest and say, I just don't really care about doing anything for Jesus. Now think about that. If we were to hear somebody say that in the church, we'd go, oh! But he said, I'd rather you be that way than straddling the fence. I'd rather you be that way than wishy-washy. I'd rather you be that way. And he said, so I would rather you be cold or I would rather you be hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, what does he say I'm gonna do? Now he uses that, the the writers, the ones that the interpreters use, this is a, a mild way to put what he's actually saying. What's he actually saying? I'm gonna throw you up. Now let me ask you a question. Does that sound like a group of people he's going to let enter into the promised land? Enter into rest, enter into heaven? Does it sound like it? His judgment on them is, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Now, when Christ comes, what's going to be in his mouth? He's going to have a two-edged sword. The Bible describes it as a two-edged sword proceeding out of his mouth. There's going to be vomit from the Laodicean church on that sword. There's gonna be vomit on the the word of God that proceeds from him because they have made him sick to their stomach, his stomach, by their actions the way they are. They're not hot, they're not cold, they're mediocre. Amen. Now the Bible tells us often to do diligently for God, to be zealous for God, to be energetic for God. (laughs) Amen. Amen. We, you know what we're supposed to be? We're supposed to be a fire. When John the Baptist said that when there's one coming after me whose who's shoelaces I'm not worthy to unlatch and, he, and I, I baptize you in water but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Right. You're going to be a dynamo. You're going to be explosive. You're going you're gonna to change everything. And that's that's the way John the Baptist described what Jesus was going to do for us. Now this layout of seeing church is not that way. Now there's a lot of churches that would say, "Well, if you want to be that way, then you need to get a shot. You need to run the aisle." That ain't what he's talking about. We are supposed to be dynamic for him in this world. We're supposed to be dynamic for him in our witness. We're supposed to stand in our faith on the, on the name of Jesus Christ and proclaim it to people we know don't wanna hear it. It ain't about what you do in this building, it's about what you do outside this building in that mission field out there. Amen. We've got signs on both edges of this place that say you are now entering the mission field. We're supposed to be on fire when we leave that sign and get out of the world and meet people because people are they are going to hell the way they're living. And we have the words. We have have the truth. We know who can save them. And that's what he's talking about. He said, I don't want you cold. I don't want you lukewarm. Lukewarm tries to blend in without making a scene. Amen. Lukewarm makes you not say one way or the other what you believe lukewarm makes you want to sugarcoat the scripture to keep from hurting someone's feelings uh oh lukewarm means you don't stand for nothing yeah that's spooky isn't it and so when he says this the in church for the seventh church to tell us about after he's told us about all these other churches and I'm gonna tell you, I don't know about y'all, but as we studied these churches, I could see different churches in them. I could see even things in our church that were good and some things in our church that aren't. So we are, we've are all got something to work on. The key to the church, the success of the church, is when people walk in those doors, they feel something. No, they feel somebody. They feel a love between people. They hear joy. They experience laughter. They see people get touched. They, they feel welcome. And that's what they're supposed to feel when they come into our Father's house. Amen? Yes, you know what? The, the rankest sinner that ever was ought to be able to come in that door and feel that also. But if we're not careful, when certain people walk in that door, we're going, yeah, what are they doing here? Amen. God help us. And, and and so we can't be lukewarm. We either are with God or we're not. We're, we're either yes or we're no. We're either hot or we're cold. He don't accept us any other way. This lukewarmness in trying to satisfy everybody and that's what the the, the the super churches pastors do. They want to. They want to, to make everybody feel good. When, when you begin to feel good because of your sin, you're in trouble. Amen. You you rate cold. Mm-hmm. Amen. Right. When when you leave church and you say, "I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna go to that woman I've been living with for five years." and I know now God's good with it. Mm-hmm. Amen? Yeah. I that I that don't work. I, I'm gonna leave here, and I'm gonna go down to one of the honky-tonks, and I'm gonna sit on the bar stool, and I'm gonna drink, but the preacher said, I'm good. Mm-hmm. And it, you, you can use any example you want to because it don't stop there. I'm not going to church today because the fish are biting and I can worship God in spirit and truth right there when I'm fishing.
3: <laughs> heard that.
0: And y'all, you would not believe how many times I've heard that one. Yeah. And I'm not believing people, I'm just telling you, we fool ourselves into thinking God's okay with things he's not okay with. And we have to be careful for that. We also fool ourselves into believing I'm better and I'm good and everybody else is bad and as long as everybody else is worse than me, I'm good. That ain't right either. When we get as good as Jesus Christ, now we can brag. He's our example. He is who we're supposed to try to be like. Amen? If me and Troy get into the competition for who's, for, for who's best and who does the most for the Lord, God help us. we in bad shape if that's all we are. And so he says, I don't want you to be this way. I don't want you to be lukewarm. I want you to either be hot or you can be cold. But if you're if you're lukewarm, I'm gonna vomit you out of my mouth. And then he gives the reason why these people are like this. And we everybody that said that they think that we're in that time of Laodicea understands in our nation, in our nation, the income of some of the lowest. Income people is greater than the annual The monthly income Is greater than the annual income Of other people in other nations Now if anybody's got a right to bellyache It's them Amen We need to learn to be blessed Not because of how much money we got Or how much we got more than anybody else we need to learn to be blessed because we know Jesus. The joy unspeakable and, and full of glory is because he's here. It's because of what he did. It's because of who he is. It's because of how much he loves us. It's because of where he's going to take us. It ain't got nothing to do with your economic status. Or how much food you got on the table. You know what? We got dogs in our country that eat better than people in nations. That's right. Are you listening to me? We've got animals that eat better than people in other nations. God help us. To never think that our prosperity, you know what? The, The prosperity given to Israel became a curse to them. The prosperity given to the United States of America has become a curse to it. And if we're not careful, we'll let that curse of the prosperity enter into the church, and we will not be blessed either. We will think we're blessed, but we're not. And look at this, these people here had money. The Laodicea was one of those cities where there was a lot of business, there was a lot of industry, there was a lot of trade, there was tourism, there was all kinds, they had open markets, it was a crossroads of a place, where people came together with their goods and, and you could buy anything and there was money everywhere. There was work everywhere. It was a lot going on. They had it going on. And so they were comfortable. They had money. They had everything they needed. And look at what Jesus said verse 17. Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods, I have need of nothing. Oh, That included him. I don't need your word. I don't need your rules. I don't need this. I've got the money. I can do anything I want to. I've got plenty to eat when I get home. I don't need this. And I don't need to give it to anybody. I earned it. Let them earn it. Well, that's something you hear today too. Now, let me ask you a question. Why was Job thought so highly of by God? It gives a description of Job. Job was one of the wealthiest men of his time. And how does the Bible describe him with his wealth? He He took care of the people around him. He gave to people. And the more he gave, you know what? That's where we get to saying you can't out-give the Lord. He ain't talking about giving it to the preacher giving it to the church. He's talking about giving it to the poor person that needs it. You can't out-give him because the more you give in his name, the more he gives. That's the way Job gave. Do you remember Cornelius in Acts chapter 10? What made the memorial before God and the description they gave of this Gentile lost man? Do you remember what it said about him? That he gave alms to the poor. Now, he's a Roman officer. He's over 100 men. And he gave his money, his alms, to poor people to help them out. And the Bible says not only did he give them alms, but his prayers of of a lost man, of a man who didn't even know Jesus, his prayers to a holy God, the Father, Yahweh, who he knew the Jews knew, he believed in him, his prayers went up as a memorial before God. And as a result of him giving his alms and the result of, him, of his prayers before God, God sent an angel to tell him how to be saved. Amen. Now think about that. Are we supposed to be that way? It, looks, it appears that that pleases God. Amen. It appears that that pleases God very much. And he said, you say I am rich, and increase with good, and have need of nothing, and knowest not thou? Now look at this, look at his description of them with this attitude, with this arrogancy that they have. You are wretched, you are miserable. Now look at the next one. You're poor, and you're blind, and you're naked wow <laughs> go up in one of the richest neighborhoods and get out with the sign says that go, go where all the millionaires live and get that sign you're poor, you're blind, you're naked, you're wretched, you're wow what would they do they, they know you'd be handcuffed with your hand behind your back, put in jail but how does God see them, it, they can't handcuff God they can't up the word because they've tried it and tried it and tried it. They tried to destroy this word, and, and you know what? Some of the some of the most evil men of all time has tried to destroy this word, and we're still looking at it right now. Amen. Praise God! God's bigger than that. What God don't want destroyed will never be destroyed. Amen. What God blesses will be blessed, and what God curses will be cursed. And we don't have no say-so in what he does. We think we do, but we don't. You know what? We're bad about trying to hold God to his word. The Bible says God won't never change his mind, really. He's God. He changes his mind if he wants to. Just because he said, I change not, that don't mean he can't change his mind. That means who he is won't change. You know who he is? He's sovereign. He's supreme. He has all the power. That won't never change. But if he wants to change his mind, if he wants to change his scripture, he can do that. He changed from Old Testament to New, didn't he? He did away with the bulls and goats, didn't he? He sent Jesus, didn't he? That's change. He poured out the Holy Spirit, didn't he? That's change. That's something that nobody, he dwells in us. That's change that's God. He can do what he wants to do. And we don't need to try to put him in our little cubicle and hold him hostage to his word. He's not hostage to his word. He is the word. Amen. Amen. Wow. And so he describes them and although they think they're all that he says they're nothing. You know what? When I read this I I could see. I don't watch Academy Awards or I mean, they're, they're sickening to me now. All the awards of so I don't watch them, I used to watch them when I was young. And you'd see, you know, the, the, the Academy Awards, <coughs> the ones that had the biggest movie the, uh, were the ones that were the most glitzy and glamorous and they just, ooh, and oh, oh my, oh, I love it, <laughs> oh. It just make you stinking sick. And they some of the most evil, vile, corrupt people on this earth. Amen, hey, man. Yeah. Man. Now they show themselves to be evil and vile, mm-hmm. and they still doing all of them this way. How does Jesus see them? Not the way the press sees them. Not the way people, in magazine sees them, for sure. Not the way any of those people see them. Jesus sees them in a whole different light because he's looking at their heart. And look at what he says. I counsel thee to buy of me. Now did y'all see that? Not go buy gold, but buy of me. Now let me ask you a question. What does he mean by that? One of these days, our works at the judgment seat of Christ are going to be tried how? By fire. By fire. And he says, He says, That those works That survive his fire Will be pure like gold So he's telling them I want you to go And I want you to do something pure for me For one time in your life I want you to do something to glorify me I want you to do something to honor me Because you're going to be a reward for those things But the stuff you're doing now You ain't getting tiddly winks for it Amen And, and, And listen to me To me, here he showed us the difference between showing up at the judgment seat of Christ and at the white throne judgment. Now, there's a lot of people that believe those judgments are the same. I firmly disagree with anybody that believes that. (laughs) There's a lot of people that believe that the tribulation has already happened. There's a lot of, yeah. Amen. There's... All kinds of beliefs out there in the world that you don't know about. There's all kinds of them out there. He said, I want you to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich. The works that we do for his glory. They don't have to. You know what Jesus said? I'm going to reward you. You know how low he goes with that reward system? Anybody? If you give a cold drink of water, to the least of my servants, to the least of my children, you will get a reward. Wow. So what does that tell us about these people? They're not helping nobody anyway, anytime. time. Amen. <laughs> he said, so buy me gold, trident, and fire, that thou mayest be rich, and, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness does not appear and anoint thine eyes with I Aisab I that thou mayest see. These people, when he said they were blind, they can't see the holiness of God. They can't see God's godliness. They can't see God's commandments. They think because of who they are and what they have, they don't have to meet the same standard the rest of us do. Is that a belief in our world today? You better believe it, amen. You better believe it, it is there today. You know, did y'all remember in the last election what they called everybody between New York and California? We were flyover states. We were unimportant people. We supported mainly, oh it didn't work out that way, Donald Georgia didn't. Arizona didn't, but that's the way they referred to us because they thought that that's the way everybody was thinking, so we became not unimportant. We're worried about New York, New Jersey. All of those cities on the coastline where so many millions live, and over here, Washington, Oregon, California, where the millions are. We ain't worried about you folks in the middle. All y'all do is feed the rest of us. All y'all do is give us gasoline. All y'all do is do give us electricity. Because see, that folks over there don't do none of that. Because it's bad. Okay? And so, that's the type of people he's talking about. These arrogant, prideful, snobbish people that think that because they live a life of glamour that everybody else is just a peon. This is who he's addressing here. He said, I want you to get some eye salve so you can see. As many, And then, <coughs> then he says something. Because as, as rough as he is on these people, there's something about Jesus that never, ever changes. It just breaks my heart. You know what it is? He loves them. He, he don't want them. steal them out of his mouth. He he wants them to hear. That's why it's important for us to hear truth. We don't need a watered-down, sugar down gospel. We need truth in its absolute severity.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. We need to know when the Bible says it's sin, it is sin, and we can't change that. We need to know when the Bible says these people will not inherit this kingdom of God, it means what it says. We don't get to change that. Amen. It means that. When he says to these people, I can't have you cold. I can't have you look more. I'm going to skew. You think he means that? Absolutely. He don't want to do that, but he is bound by truth to do that. He is bound by holiness <coughs> to do that. Amen. Amen. And you know, we've got this idea that everybody's going. All you gotta do is say something. Nobody touched on that while ago. All you gotta do is say so. <laughs> All you gotta do is say, you I believe <laughs> Believing requires something from Jesus. It requires something from us for Jesus. Believing requires obedience. And if you say you love him, he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That's what he said. We heard that this morning. That's what the scripture said. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will obey me. These people aren't worried about obedience. They're not worried about commandments. They think because of, of who they are that they're better than other people. He's gonna just welcome them on them They're gonna. They think it's like the Hollywood uh, red carpet. They just gonna walk into heaven on the red carpet and they say, I'm here. You lucky dogs. Hell! It's me. Is that the way it's gonna work? Let me tell you who is gonna be lifted up. There's gonna be some little willow lady that never had nothing, but she gave everything to Jesus. She's gonna be somebody over there. Amen. Amen? There's going to be people who aren't able to do much. But everything they're able to do, they do for the glory of God. I've seen some of them people. Amen. They're going to be something in heaven. And they're not going to be sitting in wheelchairs or blind or challenged by health anymore. Amen. God's waiting on our ways. He don't look at the red carpet amen, he looks at the one that cleans it <laughs> that's why when he, when he went and chose his apostles he didn't go to the temple he didn't go to the Sanhedrin he didn't go to that school where they were training he, where'd he go? he went to the stinking fish <laughs> where the fishermen were that's he went amen he don't look at things the way we do Glamour means nothing to God. Our God is all the glamour we need. Amen. I know I got to move on. And He says, "And as many as I love, this is what I—the I, beautiful thing about our Lord—he loves us." He said, "If I love you, I listen to this. I will rebuke you, and I will chasten you." Amen. Now, what does rebuke mean? It means I will tell you when you're doing wrong that you are doing wrong. I'm not gonna tell you when you're doing right that you're okay, I mean doing wrong, that it's okay. That's what he means by that. He said, I'm gonna rebuke you, and I will chase, what does chasing mean? I'll take you out behind the holy woodshed and take that, (laughs) and I will wear you out with my godliness. Amen? Have you ever been taken out behind the woodshed with Jesus Christ? I have been there a lot of times. Amen? Chastened. What does the scripture say? He chastens those whom he loves. That's what he's telling us about children. Don't be afraid to spank them children. He said, I chasten those I love. You need to chasten them too. That rod don't hurt them a bit. Does them good. And it does us good too. And so he said, I love, as I rebuke and I and chasten, he said, "Now look, be zealous therefore." That means be eager to do this. What's he going to be eager to do? Repent. Yes. <clears throat> Let me ask you a question: Are you eager to confess? Are you eager to repent? I think everybody in here doesn't know. Did you know those two things are the, some of the richest blessings afforded to mankind by the holy God? That ability to confess and repent. Now confession means you tell him you've done wrong. Repentance means you tell him you've done wrong and you turn from that. That's what he's telling them they got to do. you got to stop being hot, uh, cold. And you gotta turn, you gotta repent. And he said, you better be energetic, you better be zealous. That means you need to hurry up. Amen? And he said, behold. And there's another thing about that zealous. Yeah, I don't know, I know I'm not the oldest one here. But I remember, and I still see it today. Sister Patsy is one of the prime examples. A person coming to Jesus Christ melted down with tears. You don't see that much anymore. That's the zealousness to repent that he's speaking of. I want to see you. I want to see you pour your heart out to me. I want to see you really regret what you've done. I want to see you be ashamed of what you've done before me. And I'm gonna forgive you. I want you to weep because you sinned against me. Do you do that? When you sin against God, does it make you cry? Amen. What do you think of? What do you think a repentant church is? Is it? What's it look like? Is it two? Re- is it five? Is it
3: the whole church? Is it twenty? He's talking to not individual, He's talking.
0: He's talking to the whole church. The whole church, he's talking What's to is what this way. does the of church look like? It's a revival. It's the awakening. It's the Isab. It's the truth of the Word of God that gets, and they hear that Word, and they, it breaks their hearts, and they say, "We have sinned against the Holy God, and we want to get right with Him." Amen what it is that's what this is all about and it's about that in every church even the other churches that didn't do everything right the same applies he told them to repent for what they weren't doing right amen and that's what he said he even told one of them remember he said you've forgotten your first love you do all the works but you don't do it for the love and glory he said I want you to repent of that and if you don't I'm going to take your candlestick I'm going to take your church out They had no value in the spirit of God to do things like a robot. He don't need robots. Can
2: you imagine him looking at individuals
0: that way? <laughs> yeah. The
2: same way, not just the well,
0: the thing about it is, our judgment is going to be an individual right, judgment. judgment.
2: Yeah. It's not just going to be the church there.
0: I yeah. tell that to people. All he's the speaking to the church. Right. Yeah. Here he's speaking to the church, but it's, but the individual in that church can do that, and he will honor that individual even in that church. And that's what I tell people all the time. I used to have people come to me and say, well, I, I just I feel drawn to this church. I want to be a part of this church. But my spouse don't want to. And I told them all the same thing. When you stand before Jesus Christ and you feel the Holy Spirit leading you to a place, that spouse ain't going to be standing by you. They're not going to give an account for you. You're going to give an account for you. You're not going to give an account for them. I've had that conversation just this week. You do what God has laid on your heart and don't depend on your spouse to lead you that way. Amen. You listen to the groom that you're fixing to be married to and obey him. (coughs) Don't listen to someone else that's telling you, don't do that. If God's telling you to do it, do it. Amen. And I'm not trying to cause friction in the home. I'm trying to stop friction in the heart because that's the true statement. We're going to stand before him as individuals. Amen? That's the way it's going to be. And he said, now now he says this, and look, he he gives this beautiful, we've quoted this scripture and quoted this scripture and quoted this scripture over and over and over and over. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Now, what does this tell you about this church? He's not in them. He's on the outside. He's not on in them. He's not in their building. He's not in, they're not a candlestick to him. So he's standing outside, but he's doing something. Y'all, let me tell you, if any of you's ever been saved, you know what that means. You knew when God did this. When you backslid and you got back with him, you heard him. I'm knocking. And what does he say? I'm not pushing this door down. I could, you know, the Bible says that he opens doors that no man can close and he closes doors that no man can open. He will not open this door. You must open that door. You must open the door to your heart. He will not barge in. He will not come and save you. He will wait for you to open that door. Then he will come in. His invitation is the same always. Come or let me in. And so he says, and so if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to Whosoever will Who will open that door I will come in It's a promise Nothing can keep him out Once you open that door He'll come in And look what he says he'll do I've set up my residence for you I will sit down at your table I will dine With you And I will drink What a God, what a savior, but it depends on ourselves. Will we accept that from him? Because letting him in gives him something in our heart that we've guarded for a long time, the throne, the ownership. we become secondary to him when he comes in. Amen. And he said, look at this, the last couple of verses, to him that overcometh, that's what overcoming looks like when you open the door and let that in. Listen to me, you know what happens when he comes in? You get power. You, You get your name written down. You get sealed. Your down payment has been made for you, by him. You have everything you need for when he comes back to enter into the through the pretty gates in the glory. Yeah. It's all given to you, but you gotta open the door. You gotta change your life and become hot for Christ. He said, and he that overcometh, well, I grant." look at this. I will grant to you. I can't see now. I will grant to sit with me in my throne.
3: Woo!
0: <laughs> Hallelujah. You know what it's saying? I'm going to make you an heir with me. My throne will be your throne. My kingdom will be your kingdom. My father will be your father. Hallelujah. He takes down all the barriers, all the obstacles that separated God and man. He takes them out of the way. And he becomes, hallelujah, he becomes that bridge that we are able to come to the Father. And he said, you you will sit with me in my throne even as I also overcame, he overcame the world and have sat down with my Father in his throne. And then he says the same warning that he gives in every one of these. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. Amen. These seven churches are a picture of his church today. There's some of this in all of them. And the answer is always the same. We must hear. We must open our ears. We must confess. We must repent. We must be zealous. We must do good works for his glory. And we can't straddle the fence. We can't tell people that evil is good. And good is evil. As much as our world proclaims that today, we have to be careful that we don't. Get that mindset with you.
3: Amen. Any questions?
0: This church at Laodicea, they're just going through the motions. I don't even think they're going through the motions. Yeah, really? Yeah, you're right. They're talking the talk, but they wasn't doing anything past that. Have you ever been into a church that you felt out of place because you didn't think you were dressed good enough because everybody else was way out there? Amen. Amen. Actually, it is not a red carpet affair. It's about a people who are in need of a Savior and who love Him. Amen. Amen. You know, I called it when I first started preaching because I just didn't look like a preacher. <laughs> What's a preacher supposed to look like?
3: What's supposed
0: to act like? <laughs> it ain't about what he looks like, it's what he acts like. I mean,
3: yeah.
0: It's about the message that he has. It's about the truth that he presents. And it's also about does he live what he preaches? Mm-hmm. That's what God looks at. And the pastor, the deacons, and in the lay people, he wants us to be who we are in him. He wants us to live that way. Amen. We just stand. Hill, I want to share something.
2: This afternoon after we got out of church and went to 8, Lily and Layton and I went to Walmart. And talking about the churches and, and things. And he saw a little boy that's in his class, and he's six. And he hugged him, and we started out the door. The little boy came running out, and he said, stop, stop, stop. He said, I want to invite you to my church, and here's the map. And our church is right here where this cross is, and we would love for you to come. I thought, you know what, he's six, and he's chasing somebody out of Walmart, and we're walking out not even inviting people. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. If we had that kind of desire to see our friends
0: come to Jesus, Amen. what would we do? Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. And that goes to show you how come we're supposed to come like little children, doesn't it? Because <laughs> it yep, the child did Yeah, because boy. Amen. You know, you can ask any little child, He you love Jesus? And you know what they'll tell you yes. every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude that's the way we're supposed to be and not ashamed. Amen. you hungry for some ice cream? Me, me, me. Lily is, Lily really is, Lily really is. <laughs> and so, like, oh, oh wide, well, too. We don't want to leave it wide out. Brother Troy, would you just listen to me? Father, uh, thank you.
2: Thank you so much for your work. Lord. That we have a guide to go by, Lord, that we can get
3: closer and closer to God. Father, <clears throat> uh, thank you for your... Your word of revelation
2: that we open our eyes, Lord, and we see we're not perfect. We have shortcomings, Lord. We, we want to repent. We want to do better, Lord. We want to get closer
3: and closer to you as we Lord, thank you for Brother Gary and the time he spent studying your word, Lord, and interpreting it to us in the truth of matter, Lord. Thank you for everyone here that, that got up to worship you.
0: Mostly, Lord, thank you for your Jesus' name we pray, Awesome job. <laughs>